listening to Barbara Viernik Explores, the podcast which will carry you where you will meet today's European jazz singers. I'm Portuguese. I love <laughs> the sun, the ocean, <laughs> good food. <laughs> And yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's also part of my personality as a musician too. I interviewed Sofia Ribeiro in Portugal, more precisely in Porto, in her family's apartment. During this interview, in her teaching or in concert, Sofia always shines. The first time I saw her, it was a few years ago. She was on stage at the jazz station in Brussels. I have rarely seen such a bright and sunny singer, incredibly generous with her audience and so in sync with her group. A great sweetness emanates from her, as well as a lot of sincerity. All those who approach her cannot stop smiling. But let's get straight to the heart of the matter. Sophia is inspired by everything that touches her, singers, cultures and even literature. From Brazilian rhythms to Portuguese fado, through life in New York, nothing leaves her indifferent. All these experiences and encounters make her the singer that she is today. She sometimes has trouble defining herself in a particular style. See for yourself. Jazz has been my, like the style that I was focusing more mm -hmm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. For many years I was obsessed with jazz. Nowadays, I, I sometimes don't, don't even call myself a jazz singer because okay. it just has been opening up so much what I've been doing. I mean, jazz is definitely there. And if I choose one, one style, it's going to be jazz, that's for sure. But um, I guess it's, a, it's just a mix of uh, jazz with, with my own roots in music, which is mostly Portuguese and Brazilian music. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, I could say modern jazz, but that sounds, that probably doesn't sound so accurate. So it's my own jazz, I guess. <laughs> She built her own style of jazz, inspired by different voices, such as the wonderful fado singer Amalia Rodriguez, but also Ella Fitzgerald, Anita O'Day, Bobby McFerrin. These are all singers who have allowed Sofia to build her own style by mixing different tools. And she also mentions the people who guided her personally in the search of her voice. Each one of them shows, showed me different ways of doing music and in, they invited me to explore really different ways of using my voice. So, so from Bob Stoloff, I mean, I got a lot of this and also for, from fake lesson, a lot of these more swing, bebop, scat singing sounds, but then with Rihanna and suddenly I'm improvising with completely different sounds. Hello, yo, yo, you know, it's just, that's not scat and, uh, anymore. And, and uh, yeah, they definitely encouraged me to explore many, many ways of singing. And that's part of my sound today because I just go and pick up all of these tools and I just use them to express myself. So all of them were people who are mastering their instruments in a way, you know, who 
no matter if they were studying in university or not, because not at all, actually, probably from all of those, maybe none of them studied no, in a conservatory, <laughs> right? Maybe Bob McFerrin studied in university at some point. But they just really explored their instruments in, in, um, in a very deep way, and they were really mastering what they were doing. That's definitely one, one thing. And I always tried to think that way too. Okay, I'm a singer, so I'm just gonna do all I can with my voice and, and, and really study as much as I can to be a good, a good singer and a good jazz singer, a good improviser. And then also the, um, the expression part, you know, like the, the way they're so ex they were so expressive with their instruments, you know, really connecting also in an emotional way. If I listen to Chet Baker, Chet Baker, it just, it just, it, it's touching for me. Amalia Rodriguez, oof, it just, just, she sings with all her body and soul and just comes from, I don't know, I don't even know from what place it comes, but you just feel it in your whole body when you listen to her. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess that the ability to express and connect and, and transmit feelings and inspire you. I guess those two things. So it was mainly tools used by singers that inspired Sophia. In this fashion, all these elements make her a singer quite far from the path of traditional jazz. Besides, I had the chance to participate in vocal improvisation workshops that she gave in Belgium and Portugal, and it really reflected in her way of teaching. I'm teaching most, mostly vocal improvisation with that same kind of um, idea of how to compose music immediately, instantly with other people, vocal, basically a cappella music. And um, I think that what that work just brought into my life was a feeling of, of, of complete freedom that actually you can just really be very authentic and connect from where you are, accept your, yourself in a very deep way and then connect with the other and also accept the other as the other person is. And, and that's basically freedom. It's not, there's not, there are not so many rules in a way you cannot do this, you cannot sing those notes, that's a wrong note, or you cannot use your voice in that way. No, in this work you can do whatever it comes out and you accept it and you surrender to the moment and you surrender to what's going on. And so, because, I, because that was so important for me to be able to open up myself, to connect with the audience more, to accept myself the way I am. It was such a deep work that I felt that I wanted to share that with other people. I felt, how can I just keep this for myself it, if it was so important for me to just, yeah, if it transformed me, then I want to help also to transform other people with that work. Sophia's music is also influenced by very specific musical rhythms. If you know a little about her universe, you may have already figured out where the rhythms of her own songs come from. Well, Brazilian music definitely, um, because although in Fado, uh, when I sing Fado or I sing songs that are a little bit in that mood, usually the voice is big and, and dramatic and, and um, 
and the technique is very special, very, you know, you know, whatever that means. <laughs> but in with the Brazilian singers that I heard, it's really not like that. Many times the voice is soft, and and the technique is very different. So that's also very. I got a lot. I I, I got a lot from that too. And from jazz, obviously. But I really love to listen to music from many different countries. I don't know. I like African singers, and I just try to imitate their sound. And and of course, it just comes out also in my music. Actually, I have a song in my um, my album, my new album. The song is called Lunga, which is the title of the album too. And it has an African rhythm there that I just don't know how it showed up there, but. I just, yeah, it just suddenly just, it, it is there. And there's a little bit of African sounds in the, in the song. And, um, and so whatever I just hear and inspires me, I end up many times using in my music. progressed, I realized that Sofia's influences were extremely varied. Singers, traditional music, but also the different countries in which she lived. 
She currently lives in Bogota, but has already lived in Porto, Barcelona, Paris, Brussels, Boston, and New York. Living in another country or another city, just it just kind of makes you open up new doors constantly and, and open up your head because you're constantly seeing other ways of living. And, and that influences your music too, other ways of doing music. And so, so definitely. And also because when I'm living in other countries, I'm, I end up listening to the music from that country. So that just gets into my system in a way. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's like not a very conscious thing, but it definitely impacts my, my, my music for sure. For example, New York is a very hyperactive city and very stressful in a way. It can be very stressful. Um, but I wrote songs which are not stressful at all and, and that maybe if you listen to them, you don't see New York at all. Mm. I think although the city might, it might affect you, then in the end, what's most important is your state of mind when you're writing that song. You know, you might be in the middle of a field, you know, or in the middle of trees and there's this super like agitated song that comes out, you know. I think it does affect you, but in the end, sometimes not because it just really depends on on the style of life or, or that you have in that place or how you feel in that specific moment. During my interviews, I always ask the singers how they relate to the melody. And I knew that Sophia attached a lot of importance to it. It needs to be connected to the melody that she perceives as a journey, but also as something a little sacred that should not be distorted too much. I have a lot of respect for the melodies. That's something I learned a lot from Fake Lesson, the teacher I was telling you about before, because many times she made me sing the melody the melodies of jazz standards or whatever song i was singing the exact same way as it was written and really be expressive without making any variations yeah. which was really hard but i learned a lot from it getting away from such a strong learning is far from easy but sophia continues to challenge herself on a daily basis her way of composing evolves in constant research. Uh, I don't have the, the, I don't have one way of doing it, and it changes a lot. Mm. It already happened that I composed everything separately. Like for example, I write the melody the way I, like for example, I was telling before, I write a melody and then I put chords into it. Um, that happened many times and now recently I've been experimenting more with doing everything at the same time because I want to see what happens mm. when I do that and that's not my tendency my tendency because I'm so melodic my tendency is to focus in melody and then the rest we'll see but now I'm recently I'm exploring more what happens if I write lyrics the melody and the harmony, everything at the same time. And wow. yeah. that, that many times I feel that, I mean, there's no rules and any, any way can, can 
happen mm. in my opinion mm. a lot of people say no you must do i don't believe in that i really don't but i have to say that when you do everything together there's something very organic about it that it's very powerful too so so the last uh, songs that i wrote were written like that almost like just improvising with for example now i'm working a lot with the ukulele so improvising with the ukulele and let it come out at least a good part of the composition that it just comes out all at the same time even when putting all the elements on the same level rhythms melody and lyrics sofia often returns to the melody when she talks about her songs this is the case when she evokes flor silvestre a song particularly close to her heart which she sings at each of her concerts and it's it has a poem from my mother so that's mm -hmm. a very very special one and then the melody is just very nice to sing and and and, and the, also the message is is really beautiful the poem is very beautiful from my mother and everybody connects a lot to that song and to that the simplicity of the melody and and also of the of the message which basically talks about a wildflower like a flower that shares how wonderful it is it is to live in nature mm -hmm. and and that says that the secret for happiness is just listening with your heart and live in simplicity Deixar felicidade 
Something struck me each time I went to Sofia's concerts. She's not only a singer, she's also a wonderful storyteller. The words are very important, but more than the words, it's the story that's behind each song that I write. Because, for example, that song that I was talking about, it's called Lunga, it has an invented language. So it doesn't really, the words don't mean anything. Mm. Although people listen to, to it and they think it's a language and they ask, what language is this? Because it sounds like a language. It's not like the typical scat or vocalese kind of sounds. It's really, it's, it sounds like a language, but it's not. But what I feel very inspired to share with the audience is mostly what made me write that song. What happened when I wrote that song? How did I feel and why did I want to invent a language in that moment? Um, and then if I'm, singing, if I'm singing something which has real words, many times I just translate a part of the poem or, or the lyrics. But most of all, I share why, that, why I wrote it, why those lyrics or that poem are impor important to me and uh, and that's why probably you say I'm a storyteller because I just feel that that's a very a very important part of my concerts it's to share the stories behind the, the songs the moments we find Sophia on stage are always emotionally intense as she said at the beginning of her interview she really likes to share with her audience Her concerts took another turn when she introduced songs in Portuguese, her native language. Her repertoire is currently almost exclusively in Portuguese. Michael, in the, in the first years of my career, I was singing mostly in English. Also because I was coming from the jazz singing world and I was singing mostly standards. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing concerts outside of Portugal. And I started having this request from the audience of singing, oh, why don't you sing a Portuguese fado? And I didn't really, uh, I was not so connected to fado at the time, I just wanted to sing jazz. But I thought, okay, maybe it's interesting to add one tune in Portuguese to my repertoire, mm. in sharing where I come from. And that started being the strongest moment of the concerts mm. people would react like what is this and and, and i wasn't i was singing a fado only one and um but yeah that that made people cry that made people would just <laughs> clap more in that song i thought oh, okay well there's something happening over here <laughs> and uh i started slowly adding one more tune in portuguese i started searching Okay, besides Fado, what could I sing in Portuguese? And then I started writing my own music. And just kind of naturally, it just came out in Portuguese. I think I wrote one song in English or two. And then 
and then that was it and and it was also it was a lot because of the uh, the, the reaction of the audience because many people started telling me it's great when you sing in english but there's something there's something special when you sing in your language and i also started feeling that i i just felt that my voice would come out in a different way and yeah and my own music somehow it just became very natural for me to express myself in that way because of course i have more vocabulary it's my it's my own language my own words and it came to a point that sometimes i don't even sing one song in english it's kind of funny in the new album i have one in english yes that i like <laughs> thank you that um but it was a poem so i really loved the poem and i thought i want to write music to it and it doesn't really matter if it's in english or not and people like that song a lot in the concerts too but um But nowadays I think it would be very strange for me to do a whole concert in English. It just wouldn't feel like it's my most authentic expression. Mm. And I had a lot of doubts about that in the beginning. And sometimes I still wonder, oof, I'm singing in a language that most of the people they don't understand because I mostly do concerts outside of Portugal. And the comments are always I don't understand the words but I really feel what you're singing. So people even tell me please don't sing in English, sing in your own language. I don't it doesn't matter if we understand it or not. Which is kind of surprising. So um and also that's why it's so important that I tell the stories yeah. because otherwise maybe they would just of course they could still enjoy But when I tell the story, they make their own idea of the song. And uh and then they don't get the words, but they get they kind of feel what I'm talking about. Her relationship with the public is very important. Whatever her state of mind before the concert, whether it is in good shape or not, as soon as she sets foot on stage, the magic operates. When I'm on stage of you just find a way to deal with every situation which is there because there's like this focus and this delivery to the audience and you just find a way yeah you might be have a cold you might be completely exhausted i don't know you might be disconnected and then you get there and everything just aligns and you and you just you just do what you got to do and that's really powerful mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm even tired. I'm like, oh, I prefer I would prefer to go to the movies instead of singing. I mean, that happened. I remember that. Of course, when you do it a lot, and that takes away a little bit of this fairy tale thing of oh, going on stage, it's always wonderful. It is always wonderful, but it can also be exhausting because you just you have to give a lot and but in the end it's always wonderful. Mm. Because I think there it's just so powerful when you get on stage there's something so powerful happening that it's always a great experience. Sofia is not easy to classify. Neither traditional nor pop, nor entirely jazz. She's always attentive to her audience. A beautiful independent musician who has just successfully obtained her last crowdfunding. The pursuit of this adventure is to be found in her coming album. 
I feel that what I'm doing is a little specific because it has uh, these very specific influences and um, I'm not really like, I, I don't feel that, that I'm completely in a specific scene, you know, like there's a jazz scene in Portugal. I don't know if I'm really completely connected or integrated in that scene. Sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not, but um, I'm connecting a lot to the Latin community in a way and to to like a a trend of independent musicians maybe who are finding ways to do music in without having the need of a label or management or you know like people who are saying okay I'm doing my music and I'm finding my way to finance my albums I think if I fit in a in like in a kind of group of people that would definitely be my my group of people independent musicians who are finding ways to just bring their music to other places with without having the typical support from yeah from like the musical industry who are finding their way with the with the musical industry which has been changing completely the last years like from one place to the yeah. other so like struggling musicians <laughs> who are like fighting hard to bring their music to different places. Mm. Hopefully it will become less hard at some point. <laughs> no, and it's not that hard actually, but it means it needs a lot of effort and work and hard work, definitely. Like many other singers, Sofia has a love-hate relationship with her voice. We love it, but our instrument is demanding. It guides and punctuates our daily lives. It can sometimes be tough, but we know why we do it. You really have to take care of it, otherwise anything could ruin it. Between tours, trips, recordings, lessons, Sofia sometimes struggles to take a break. But she has recently been aware of it. During this interview, she also told me that she notices that her voice has evolved over the years and today allows her to go further in expressing her feelings. With this hindsight, Sophia tries to have a kind relationship to her voice. Well, I love my instrument. Sometimes I hate it too. <laughs> no, I love my instrument. Sometimes I get, I get easily tired mm. with my voice. So that's why I hate it sometimes. I hate it that that is a... Not that I hate it. I need to take care of it a lot. And that's a wonderful thing. But sometimes when you feel like singing the whole time and speaking the whole time and teaching and doing things and traveling and so sometimes I wish it would be more more resistant mm -hmm. so that I could just sing 10 hours a day and teach and um, but I love it. I, I really love my voice in a way that I feel that it's it just allows me to express whatever I want to mm -hmm. with it. And even when I can't, because I'm more tired and my voice is less flexible and the high notes are not so much there, um, I find a way to express myself with more air or less air, with uh, more high notes or less high notes, 
there's always a way to express myself because it's just it's coming from inside it's coming from your feelings and emotions mm -hmm. so no 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 if you think of Billie Holiday who had such a small register she was the one of the most expressive singers that I've ever heard mm -hmm. so so I think in the end it's just um If I would sing classical music, it would probably be harder because the technique is so um, like strict in a way, right? You need to sing over an orchestra, you need to really use your voice in a very, very specific way. And the fact that I do music which is so open and free, I can use my voice the way I want to. And there's always a ways to express yourself with, with, with your voice no matter how you use it. So, so, yeah, I love my voice. This podcast is coming to an end, but I couldn't leave you without sharing this wonderful anecdote that Sophia told me about one of these concerts. No one can doubt it. Music softens manners. And I remember one concert that I did in duo with, uh, with Juan Andres Espina mm. that was in Venezuela. It was right before the situation started getting really, really serious politi politically there, but it was already very complicated. And I remember that it was really magical uh, because already the situation was hard and there were not so many concerts happening and very unsafe to be in the streets. And I felt this appreciation of the audience, which was really, really special. And in the end, I remember just hugging the people in the audience. Everybody would come and say hi, and I was just hugging everybody, people that I did not know. I do that a lot, but that specific concert was, people would just come with their eyes, you know, shining and saying, you just gave us the biggest gift ever. And, and I, I, I remember that that was very, you know, when you feel that the audience is really, really appreciating what you're doing and it's important for their lives and for their souls. That happens a lot, but that one was a very, Powerful. It is with this anecdote that we end this second episode. I am looking forward to sharing with you the rest of my adventures. You can also go to the Barbara Vjernik Explorers website to find some complete interviews. You can leave me a comment, a message, or you can subscribe on the platform you used to listen to this episode. Thank you for listening. Bye. It was Barbara Viernik Explores, a podcast directed by Barbara Viernik and Zoe Van Koppenhol. The interviews are carried out by Barbara Viernik. The jingle is written and performed by Alain Pierre. Thank you for listening. <laughs>